Dear God, we pray, Father, that as we come together here to consider our youth and family ministry and what your vision for it is, what your son's vision for it is, Father, that we can fall in line and embrace that vision, Lord God. That we will not be men and women that are driven by the, the way the world sees our families need to be, Lord God. We're driven by the way you see our families need to be. And that we are men and women, Father, who search out your word. And we feel your spirit prompting within us. And we accept the encouragement and the fellowship and the discipling of even the church around us, Lord God. And that we really embrace and believe that you can work and change our children's lives. And help them to love you the way that we love you. I pray that we can figure out how to communicate that to them in so many ways. And that even as we come together here today, Lord God, we can understand how much it's on the hearts of just the church itself, Lord God, that we make these great things happen for our kids. We pray this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Oh. Can I stand? Okay, we're good. Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be able to talk with you this morning, to be able to share with you and uh, talk really about what what God's vision is for our youth ministry. Uh, when I think about youth ministry in general, I, I can't help but, but really be moved by it. Um, when I think about my story, I was originally drawn to Jesus because of the example set by, our, by fellow teen disciples. Uh, particularly, as, as Kim shared about, it was her family... It was Wolfgang and Jenny in particular who were at my high school, who I met, became friends with. And because I saw that there was something different about their life, something different about their family, that it really helped me to want to have a relationship with God and to draw closer to Him in the first place. And so I, I, I really believe that youth and family is the future of God's church. And I think what we're going to talk about is that youth and family is not just parents and teenagers, but really it's, it's an idea, it's an ideal that encompasses every single aspect, every single ministry, even within our church. And so I want to start off with a scripture you may be familiar with when it comes to parenting, and that is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, particularly verses 4 to 9. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as a symbol on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. 
And you look at this list and the different things that it talks about. Well, first it talks about loving God with everything you have. And then he goes into some of these, these specific things and he talks about how these commandments are to be on their hearts. And, and then he says, well, basically you want to surround each other with Christ. Surround each other with God. And in particular, you notice how it says, it says, bind them on your foreheads. How many of you regularly are able to look at your forehead? Like you could just tell that there's something written on it right now. No, we can't do that without some form of mirror, right? So why was he saying to put it on the forehead? It was for the sake of those who they interacted with, right? That they could see that you were committed, that you were committed to God. You know, the Jews in particular, they had a, uh, this is uh, called a, a mezuzah. This is one of the, those bindings on the doorposts that as they would go by, um, you see that, that beautiful little letter there that kind of looks like a W. That is not a W. Uh, that's the Hebrew letter Shin. And it's, it's a reminder of the Shema, which is what's, what this is called. It's called the Shema, loving the Lord your God with all your heart and impressing it on your children. But if you, as this passage continues, what it talks about is it talks about you should do these things so that you fear God and serve Him only. That you don't get caught up in the desires and the culture around you. So that you don't test God. And that you tell your children about how God rescues His people and how when we obey the Lord... Blessings come because of it. And so when I think about the youth and family ministry, when I think about the purpose of the youth and family ministry, I think about this here. That God has allowed us to have a youth and family ministry so that we can prepare the youth to follow God faithfully, not just for a day, not just until they graduate, but until the day that they die, that they will follow God. And how are we going to do that? Well, the biggest thing that you see even here in Deuteronomy is he says your example of spirituality, your example of faith, love, and righteous deeds are going to be the difference maker. And so i got to ask this question for you, and this is going to be literally the most important question. If you walk away with nothing else today, this is what I want us to really be thinking about. Are you willing to become whatever is needed to help your children get to heaven? And I word it that way not because uh, it could be very easy. We could just say, well, why are you willing, are you willing to do whatever it takes? And yes, there are some practical things that you should do and that you can do. But it's not just about the stuff you do. It's about the person that you are and that you are allowing God to transform you into. You know, in the, in the Shema, what it says is, is you need to impress them on your children. There's a difference between forcing your faith on your children which is, I think, a fear that many of us can have, right? Because we want it to be their decision. And impressing it upon them. And if you think about it, you have to impress to impress. If you have an impressive faith, 
your children will want to follow it. If they see an example of, of God, that, uh, of a relationship with God that is attractive, that is exciting, that is fun, that is vibrant, they, won't, they, they can't help but catch it and want to follow in that footstep. Because I, I really believe if I asked you, how many of you in here want your kids to go to heaven? Uh, I, I think I, I don't need to, to I, I won't even ask for you to raise your hands. But I'm just going to assume that we're going to get a 100% hand raisal on that. Amen? Okay, yes, I, I think so too. But are you willing to become whatever it takes to reap that harvest? And I say that because spiritual youth are forged. They're forged over time and they're not created in an instant. You know, I think it's easy to think about, well, okay, well, I'm just going to allow things to continue. They'll go through the, the kids' kingdom. They'll get to, through the preteens and the young teens. And then all of a sudden, magically, when they get to the teen years, they'll just want to study the Bible and become Christians and everything will be happy and great and good. And even if that were the case, think about all of the, the things that, that you would have to uh, to go through in it. And those of you who have teen parents, you, you know how difficult teenagers can be. Right? And they're awesome. I love them. I love spending time with them. I love hanging out with them. But I get all the fun parts. And I know that you guys get a lot of the more difficult battle things uh, that you have to go through. And so we really want to set them up as best as we can so that when they are at an age where they can really say, okay, I want to make this decision to follow Jesus, that we give them their best shot possible. And I want to say this up front, because as parents, you know this, the real standard that you set is set by what you tolerate, what you excuse, and by the pattern of your actions, and not necessarily single mistakes. Like, for example, you know, and I, this, was, this was the case in my fa- household, my family. My dad would say, hey, TJ, can you take out the garbage? And for me, I knew that meant, oh, I've got like another two asks before I actually have to do this. Right? Because then you say it once, you say it the second time, and you're like, okay, no, no, seriously, get off the game and go. And take out the trash. You, you, really, come on, guys. Is this the only time? You guys don't experience this? And then finally, it depends on the family, right? I have a, you know, I come from a, this is the Italian side of my family. Finally, that third time is Thomas, Joseph, Parisi. If you don't get off that game right now and take out, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what can happen. And so we can see it, that your kids, they know when you're serious. They know when, okay, whoa, whoa, this is when I really need to pay attention because they know what's important to you by what you say, by how you say it, by your tone. And so what message are we communicating to our youth? You know, I think it's, as, as, we've, as we've merged as a congregation, it's been an incredible time to actually sit back and evaluate 
where are we at as a church? Where are we at as a youth and family ministry? And I think there are, there are two parts to it. And the first is, is we need to evaluate, well, how are things going in the home? And then how are things going as a youth ministry? How are we doing as a church? So I want to ask you guys a couple questions just for you to sit, just to think about. But evaluating how things are going spiritually at home. Question number one. How is your discipleship? Are you growing? Would your kids say that they see things that you are different in today than you were in six months ago? Are you different? Are you excited to see and spend time, if you're married, with your spouse? Because your kids see that as well. What are some dreams? I'm going to move up a little bit. Sorry, Teresa. (laughs) What are some dreams uh, that you have for your family? Have you thought about what you'd like to see God do through your family, through your relationship with your kids? How about this? How often are you praying with your children? How often do you open the Bible with them or talk about Scripture? Do you have spiritual talks? You know, when they're, let's say they're, they're, they're playing some soccer and something's going on and they, uh, you know, they, they get disappointed or they act in a way that's not, you know, that's not in accordance with the Bible. Do you take the time to make the spiritual application for them? To tie it in so they see, hey, God is relevant. He is a part of every aspect of our life and not just uh, something that we do on Sundays. How many of you, right, have been going to the good enough parenting training that we've provided, particularly this is for the preteens, young teens, and teens? Uh, how, 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 have, how has that been going for you? Have you been at them? I mean, I think if I were to, to, to take a hand, how many, how many people are, are, just as a show, how many people are in the, if you could raise your hand, in the preteen young, or have children in the preteen young teen or teen ministries? If you could just raise your hand. Okay, wonderful. That's encouraging. Keep them up, keep them up, keep them up for a second. All right, now I want you to keep your hand up if you've been to every single one of the good enough parenting things that we have offered over the past, I guess, since the summer which has been one a month. So that, that would be, there's, I think there were four of them. So that's a significantly less number, right, than we have for, par- for the parents that we have. You know, as we're evaluating where we are as a, as a church, right, those are things to consider because uh, the, your youth want to see your faith, want to see the faith lived out. They want to see that God is important to you and that's impor- that if it's not important to you, it won't be important to them. And then on the other side of things, uh, I've, I've been speaking with many of you and talking about, well, where are we at as a youth ministry? Where are we at as a church? And when you're evaluating where a youth ministry is, there's a couple of different factors that we like to keep in mind and think about that, that are generally good indicators of the health of a youth ministry. Number one, 
parental involvement. How engaged are the parents in the ministry? Number two, attendance and participation. Are the youth actually at the different activities and events that we have? Are they enjoying it? Do they want to be there? Are they engaged or are they just sitting on their phone the whole time? This is not the fun part for sometimes. You know how they are. Getting teens off their phone can be really difficult, right? Our teachers. Do we have enough teachers to cover all the classes that we have? And do we have good, high-quality teachers? Are we doing anything to train our teachers so that they become even better teachers uh, the more that they interact with the youth? Are our youth maturing? Are they connected to other ministries and other life stages? This means, do they have relationships? If, if your kid is a, a preteen, do they have relationships with young teens, teens, campus students? Do they have relationships with uh, adults in the church? Do they have relationships with people in the kids' kingdom? Do they have relationships with youth in other, uh, in, in other churches, in our, our, in our sister churches? Something that we think about. How well do they transition from one ministry to the other? Is it an easy, is it a smooth transition from the kids' kingdom to the preteen ministry? Is there an opportunity for them to serve? Do they see that they can make a difference and they don't have to wait until they're an adult to actually give back to the people and to the community around them? And how well are we doing at influencing non-members of the church. You know, and as we've sat and, and, and discussed kind of, well, this, these are some things for us to consider, to think about where we are as a youth ministry. There are some things that we've realized, hey, this is a great strength that we have. And amen for strength, right? And so I, I'm just going to list three of them here. Is number one, I got to tell you, sitting and talking with the other leaders of the children's ministry, the preteen, the young teen, the teen leaders, they are committed to seeing your kids go to heaven. You know, even the fact I want to lift up Jim, that he is letting us have a church service that is half the time, right, or uh, two-thirds of the time, so that we can sit and actually talk about family. I mean, we have, as a, as, a, as a group, we have a lot of people that are on board that want to see everyone, to see all of our kids go to heaven. Number two, our good enough parenting classes have been awesome. And if you've been there, you know you've seen it. I think about uh, one in particular was, was my favorite, was over the summer, we did a, a class on, on communication and talking about how to, uh, how to build a, a better relationship between parents and their youth. We did, the, we did that class for the parents upstairs, and for, particularly with our teenagers, we did the same class downstairs for them. And then everybody went and sat down together as a family, and they talked about, well, hey, here are some things that, that you know, when you do this, this really hurts me. How can we resolve this differently so that we're not yelling and screaming and trying to, like, kill each other so that we can have a, a better household? But also it'll, it's a time for, for both the parents and the youth where they shared about, hey, you know, Mom, Dad, I'm just so grateful for you when you do this. 
you know, when, when, when you do this, this makes me feel super loved. You know, this is not just about it. And, and that's kind of part of this, this, these, this vision that when we're doing the good enough parenting, it's all about taking where we are and building better relationships. Because we know no one is going to be the perfect parent, right? But we can be good enough. That's the whole idea between, behind good enough parenting is so that you are learning the skills so that you can take them home. And even talking to some of the, some of the other parents and things that they've said, they've been like, look, it was so phenomenal. It's just such a great reminder of some of the things that, that maybe I've even learned before, but when I think about how, how it's played out, I haven't been implementing it when I've gone home. I haven't been living it out. So, hey, I need those reminders as kind of a check-in and say, well, you know what? I, I, I maybe need a little tweak here. Or even just learning new skills of, well, sometimes I, I ask my kids, how, how, how was your day? And all they say is, good. It was fine. How do I ask a question that gets me more than good? When do I ask that question that gets me more than the good answer? Right? You guys have never had that struggle with your children before? But that's what these classes are, are trying. We're trying to equip you guys on how to handle it. Because, and I, I, look, I, I see this as a youth and family leader, and I know that I don't understand it completely because I am not a parent yet. But even from afar, I can see that parenting looks like the hardest job that anybody could ever get. I'm not even going to say ask for, because some of you, maybe you didn't even ask for it. Some of you didn't even know what you were getting into when you said, yes, I want kids. But it is something that, that hey, you know, I mean, you, you, need to take, you need to take a test to be able to drive a car. You don't need any sort of classes or testing to be able to raise a child. You, maybe we should, and that's why we're hosting uh, all of these things as a youth ministry. So, hey, you have classes on how to handle the things that are going to come up. Another thing that brings me so much joy, and I, I love this about our, our youth ministry, is the team disciples that we have are rock solid. And I, I am so proud of them and their example. Think about in your teenage years, Right? If you were the only disciple there, you know, you're, you're insecure about who you are, uh, you're being bombarded with culture and life and all these different things, and they really want to be committed to Jesus. And that is so encouraging to me. That, that really lifts up my spirit. But on the other side of things, there are some things that are, are and I don't want to undersell this, that are quite concerning that are quite concerning. And the three that I'm just going to list them right now is number one is poor parental involvement. Number two is is poor attendance. And the third is poor communication. When it comes to poor parental involvement, one of the things that that the people that I've I've spoken to and and many of the, the different leaders and things have noticed is that it seems to be the same people who are doing and that are at everything. The same people offer to help. The same people are the people that are getting advice. You know, we do a lot of these, these and, and I think this is, this is one of the things that really hurts my heart. Even the, the talk that I shared about, that good enough, that great good enough parenting class, 
uh, where, the, where the parents and the youth got to sit and talk. I went back, and of course, I'm going to follow up with your preteens, young teens, and teens to ask them what they thought, how it went. Many of them were very nervous even having that talk to begin with, which should be a cause for concern that your kids are afraid to talk to you about the ways that you hurt them. But in addition to that, coming back and talking to them, they said, hey, you know what? It was actually a good talk, and it went better than I expected, but here we are weeks later, and nothing has changed. Nothing's different in the home. You know, when it comes to our our attendance, this is one of the things that, that, that really, and, okay, I am, when it comes to attendance, I am not someone who, who, who is like, oh, like, I know stuff comes up. I know there are exceptions. I know that we are all busy. But if we are consistently, consistently seeing parents and youth not engaged, should that not be a cause for concern. You know, when I think about uh, even even from from a youth level, right? You're a, you, you, imagine you're a preteen or a young teen, and you show up for one of the events, and half of your friends aren't there. What is that going to do to your level of excitement about the youth ministry and about the activities that are going on? You know, it has a, it has a domino effect because. Youth are herd animals. They like being together. They want to be together. They want to know, hey, they, the first question they ask, and you guys maybe even have done this with parties, well, am I going to go? Well, who's going to be there? Well, I don't want to go if they're not going, but if you're going, then I'll go. That's exactly what they do. That's exactly how they think. But I've I, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes it seems like the youth want to be at things more than you want them to be there. You know, I know of of instances even where, you know, we've gone and we've talked to some of the youth and they say, oh, hey, so what, what happened? Why weren't you there on Friday? Why weren't you there on Saturday? And the response, and I, I kid you not. Right. And it's one thing to say, oh, well, my my that that event didn't interest me. Right. Maybe that would be understandable. But some of our youth have said this. Well, you know what? Um, I wasn't there because my parents didn't feel like taking me. Now, I want you to think about that. What kind of a message does that send about the church What kind of a message does that send about God as a priority in your life if that is the case? And I'm going to say, and this is what upsets me the most. What upsets me the most is that sometimes it can feel like the leaders want your kids to go to heaven more than you're willing to put in the effort to see that happen. And that should not be. That's not okay. I mean, if you were standing before God and God said, hey, um, do you feel like you'd made every effort? Not, we're not talking about the result because, yes, as you know, your children have a mind of their own. 
But did you, do you feel like you could say with a clear conscience, I made every effort to get my kids to sin? And I say, we have some parents here that are incredible examples of this. You know, I think about some of our parents who don't even have a car, make sure that they're at everything and that their kids are at everything. You know, they call people, they're engaged, they're asking for advice, they're looking for input. And if that's you, I just want to hold your, I I just want to lift you up because I am so inspired. So inspired by that example. You know, those are, the, those are the, the moments where you think, wow. Think about the message that that sends. God, you can do anything. You are a real priority in our life. Now, I've been saying some of these things about things that, that, that okay, maybe on the home front, maybe need to be different. But, hey, there are some things that as, as, a, as a leadership, as a you think that I realize, hey, we've dropped the ball on. You know, when it comes to poor communication, I really do believe that we, we and I'm speak, I'll just say, for me as the youth leader, I can do a far better job at communicating with you guys, at sharing about the different things that are going on. And we're going to talk about some of the things that we are, are thinking that are going to help our youth ministry go to the next level so that we are on the same page. Uh, because we want to hear back from you. We want to know what's going on in your home. We want to know how we can best support you and lift you up. And I think, you know, I'll just say this so I confess my sin. And you know that I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this is all about you. Times where, hey, we've been late getting out, uh, getting out times of when different activities and events are. Or times where we have uh, sh- maybe should have communicated or uh, are trying to pull things together at the last minute. Or, or not sending out a clear schedule of when stuff is. Yes, I, I hear you on that. And if there are other things that you see, that you see either in me personally or that you see in, in, our, in our youth ministry, I want to tell you, hey, come and talk to us. Come and talk to me. Talk to Kevin. Talk to Jim. So that we can work on it. So that we can, make, so that we can be different. So that we can support your kids as best as possible. But one thing I will ask you not to do is that if you do have a problem with the youth ministry or with another parent in the youth ministry, that you will not go talking bad about it in front of each other or in front of your kids. And I am saying that because I think sometimes our our youth, their attitude about the youth ministry can get warped because they see that their parents don't always have the best attitude. And look, I, if, if I'm prideful, I, I will, like I said, come talk to me. Tell me. I need it. I want the help. Uh, because this is not about, this is bigger than me. This is bigger than you. This is about God and them. This is about God and you. God and me. And so we want to really hold him up as best as possible. So as, if, if we were to kind of evaluate where our youth ministry at, is at right now, and what grade we would, we would maybe even give our youth ministry. Um, and, and I want to preface this. There are some of you, again, who absolutely are incredible examples, and you should give yourself an A. But if we are going to talk about as a whole 
where we are at with some of those criteria that we were talking about. You know, are we seeing our youth become Christians? Are we seeing them mature? Are we seeing things change? You know, unfortunately, at best, we are a sea youth ministry. How do you guys feel about that? Does that encourage you? Because I think it really does go back to that question of, are we willing to become whatever it takes to see our youth get to heaven? And I think the challenge is that it can seem like, or this is the message that we send, is that you would be happy if your kids got an A in all their classes, they got a full scholarship, but ended up with a C or lower when it came to their relationship with God. And I know that's not the message that you want to send. I know that that's not the message that you want to send. But sometimes we get caught up and our our actions send a different message than what we're hoping, than what we really want to communicate. So this is where this beautiful concept of campus to cradle comes in. Now, up until this point, our youth ministries have functioned pretty much as separate entities. Uh, I remember when I first got here as the youth leader, uh, as the, the teen leader, I had absolutely no idea, and I know this is very, very reassuring, but it's been a few years since then, what was going on in the preteen ministry, in the young teen ministry, or even in our children's ministry. Right? How many of you are, are aware of what's going on in a ministry that your children are not a part of? Not many, right? And so we've created these little silos, and we do this in, in not just in our youth ministry. I mean, think about even as, as a church, our singles ministry. How many of you really know what's going on with the singles? How many of you really know what's going on with a married that's not in your Bible talk? How many of you even know our campus students? We are so segregated as a church. And so we sat there and we look at that and say, well, wait a minute. Does God call us to be one church or does God call us to be a bunch of like four or five different churches that don't really interact with one another, that don't really build those relationships? And, you know, I think even personally for me, and I I shared about about the Bremers and and them reaching out to me and, and setting that example in my life. I've got to tell you, when I was studying the Bible, I saw, I, I had teen disciples that were in my life. I saw the home life, and I saw George and Kim's marriage. I had singles that were in my Bible studies, and that I built relationships with, and that were talking, I mean, I can't tell you how many talks I had with Roberto about purity. I can't tell you about all the question time that I had with Ghazi as I was asking him the different stuff that was going on. And, and I had these mentors in my life, and I, I knew I, w- I was not alone. It takes a village, right? And that village is made of all these different parts. So then why are we structurally doing things in a way that isolates the different ministries? And I know we've talked about this a little bit when it comes to uh, even we talked about mentoring and trying to get mentoring going a while ago. But that's what we want. We want, no matter what age your child is, to be able to come into church and they know somebody who's way older than them, 
a little bit younger than that, a little bit younger than that, a few years older than them, a few years younger than them. That they can look and say, wow, there are people that I know. I am welcome here. I can really be a part of something greater than myself. And so the hope is, and I I think you guys have, have, have realized this, is it's easier to prevent a mistake than it is to try to fix it after you've already messed up. And so that's why we have, for a while, as a youth and family ministry, uh, have, 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 have done things in a way that was, it was great and God worked. Right? We saw a lot of our teens become disciples. We, saw, uh, we already saw a lot of the parents connecting and engaging with some of our different kids. And, and that, that thing starts to happen. But we realize that as we have been implementing things, if we really want to be the most effective... We have to start at the beginning. We have to start young. And so that's our first piece, is we want to be proactive. We don't want to be on defense, right? I remember, I played played defense when I was playing soccer, and your one goal is to keep the other team from scoring. And that's great, and it's exciting, but you won't win games if you don't go on the offense. And so that's the hope is if we really want to win our kids, we, are, we need to take things in the, into the offensive. We've got to say, no, Satan, I'm not even letting you get a foothold. We're going to shut you down before the game even starts. And so part of that, of what we're hoping to do, is we want to train you how to interact with youth of all ages. And not just youth of all ages. We want to make sure... Specifically, that you are trained on how to interact, how to uh, connect with your child before they get to that life stage so that when it comes, you'll know, oh, I was prepared for this. I'm ready to go. You know, we want to teach you because the youth ask some very, very difficult questions. Right? How many of you have asked, your kids have asked you a question about life? I mean, some of the more difficult questions that are being thrown out now are things that have to do with, uh, with race, with gender, with sexuality. And, and you're, you, you may sit there, your kid's going to come and talk to you, and you're going to be like, uh, that's a good question. Right? We want to prepare you on how to answer the tough questions when they come so that they can see, wow, my mom, my dad, they have a rock-solid faith. Because, and, it, and, it, and look, If you don't know, and I'll say this, if you don't know an answer now, you can say, you know, that's a great question. You know, let me actually, let me go and look into that a little bit so I I can give you a solid answer. I have a few thoughts, but but I really want to make sure that that I've I've really looked at the scriptures on this and and can answer it. Right? Because if we don't do something like that, what they can walk away with is feeling very insecure. And and because the world wants wants to tell them that God doesn't have the answers. And so that moment of hesitation where you don't, where they come, they ask you a question and you don't have that answer, right? It could make them insecure. It could make them think, well, maybe God really isn't all knowing. You know, my, you know, I asked that question and my science teacher had an answer for it. How come you don't have, how come God doesn't have an answer for this? And that we will have kind of a unified and connected church. You know, I think our, our hope as well is that we will put together a master calendar event 
so that we're not scheduling teen, preteen, young teen, children's ministry events in the exact same day, the exact same time. And so what does this mean? Well, that's stuff that we're going to actually, we're going to have to cover uh, at another time. But there are two things that you can do right now that are going to make a huge difference in your family. And it's very simple. We're just going to, we're just going to, Sum it up in two things, two points. There's two things that we expect of you and that you can expect of us. Number one, lordship. That Jesus is actually going to be Lord of your life, that the gospel is going to be, that the gospel is going to be attractive and that when you don't feel like going to things or bringing your kids to things, because we all know that that happens, right? You're, you get home from work, you're tired. You can say, hey, I don't feel like going to this event, but you share it with them on the way there. So they can see, wow, this is so, I don't feel like going, but Jesus being Lord of my life is more important than what I feel like doing. That's a super, that's a super powerful uh, example. Or if you can't make it there, that you're calling one of the other parents and saying, hey, can you take my kid? Can you get them there? And, you know, that, again, we want, this, we want not being at stuff and to be an exception to the rule. Because, you know, they, they, and they really want to be together. I'll tell you, the youth really enjoy hanging out with one another. They want to be there. You know, and the other thing as well with it is, is growth. Do the children, do your children see the power of God in your life? We're not, the expectation is not for you to be perfect parents, but that your kids can see, wow, mom and dad are different. You know, they used to act this way around me, but I can tell that they're a lot more patient than they used to be. I can tell that they really, really want to know God. You know, I actually see them, even if they're not talking to me about it, I see them praying. I see them spending time reading their Bible. Spirituality is something that, they, that, is, or, that is surrounding them. And that's the thing, even when I've had you know, times where the teens are hanging out and we're just having this game night and it's late at night and, and they're all playing stuff and, and you know, they're, they're going to end up having a sleepover or something like that, I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I've got to make sure I get my time with God. There have been times where I've hung out with the teens and they've seen me just sit and read the Bible. Sometimes it opens up conversations. Other times it's, they're just watching, right? Because you want to, all the time, authentic discipleship. So they, they can see what it means, what it looks like to have and build a relationship with God. And i got to tell you guys, this stuff, this is not merely an experiment. You know, we're not just guessing that this is going to work. I'll give you an example. Right now, uh, remember a couple weeks ago we had Johnny Rivera come and talk about some stu- talk about Central. Well, they have uh, they have been doing some incredible things and 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 they've been talking about and he's he shared about and I've talked with Caesar as well about the changes that their youth have seen in their parents. They've seen them grow. They see their example of service. They see their example of love. And based on and this is the primary thing that they pull it back to. What is making the difference? They are seeing 80% of their teenagers become Christians just because 
of the example of authentic faith that they see in their parents. So our target, as we close out, right? I just want to make sure this is clear. Our target is not to say, I don't want you walking away with, from here saying, TJ just yelled at me or said all these things so that we would go to the events that we have going on. Yes, we want you there. That's great. However, the bigger thing to complement that, the bigger piece is, are you being spiritually transformed? Do they see that example? And so as we close out, Kevin's going to come up in a second, is we have a short, just little, it's, it's three questions, a three-question survey, and there's Wi-Fi here. That's why we set it up this way. Before you leave, if you could just go take a second and answer some of these questions. Amen? You've just listened to the Westchester Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit westchester.nycococ.net.